I can show you the world. Shining, shimmering reindeer. Tell me, tell me that those aren't the actual lyrics. It sounds better than splendid. Welcome back to the Bug and a Rug podcast. As always, my name is Caitlin. As usual, I'm Whitney. And today is the week before Christmas. It's practically, practically here. here. And just because we want to, you know, shake things up for the holiday season, Whitney's getting a double feature. Double feature. Double feature. A back-to-back uh, you guys ask for it, and we have granted your wish. I don't think anyone asked for this. <laughs> <laughs> Let's be clear, nobody wanted this. Uh, you did. I and did. I said fine. My episode this week was a little bit time sensitive. Um, the subject of this week's uh, episode, their birthday is December the 18th, so that's why I wanted to. It would have been yesterday. Yesterday. Right. Uh, which was Friday? Yeah, yes. <laughs> I think so. <laughs> We'll just jump into this week's topic. Okay. I'm ready. I'm jumping in. Wait, let me get my goggles on. Oh, oh, no. There he goes. Nose plugs? Earplugs? No, 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 no. Flippers? No. No, just goggles. Just goggles. All right. Getting getting in there. Getting in the deep end. <laughs> We're getting in, are we getting in the deep end? I don't know. What's this story about? <laughs> we dipping our toes in? Are we getting in? We jumping in? We cannonballing? Well, we'll, t- we'll dip our toes in, but then we will, um, you know how like you kind of like feel the water and then you, you test sl- if it's okay? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then you Is get this out water and, sanitary? It looks questionable to me. <laughs> and, but then, so you dip your toes in and you're like, oh, okay, that's not too bad. And you get up and you run around to the deep end of the pool and then you cannonball? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. That's what we're doing? Yeah. I'm Chin Po, and I'm Yao, <laughs> King of the Rock. Chin Po does that, where he dips his toes in, and then he goes backwards, and then he runs, and he jumps in, and it's a tidal wave. I wondered where you were going with that. Yeah, sorry. That's how my mind works. That's all right. Mm-hmm. Okay, anyway. So this week, uh, we're traveling to sunny California. Oh, good times. Who wish the subject of this episode an unhappy birthday. Oh, an unhappy birthday. Yeah. It, yesterday was his birthday, but boo hiss. No good wishes to you, sir. Interesting. Boo. 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 You had true love. I don't remember the rest of the line. <laughs> I know it's Princess Bride, but. <laughs> said that lady, whoever played that lady went all out. Let me tell you. Okay, anyway. So, unhappy birthday to... Mr. Edmund Emil Kemper III. Kemper. I feel like I know who this is. I'm sure that you have heard of him. And if you've ever listened to an audiobook, there's a good chance that you've heard Mr. Kemper's voice. What? Hold on, what? Yes, so... Oh my god, okay. I've never listened to an audiobook. Well, for those of you who have, <laughs> Mr. Kemper has voiced over 5,000 hours worth of audiobooks for The Blind Project which strives to bring stories to life for blind individuals through Braille and audiobook versions of the original text. Now, The Blind Project, yay, good, yeah, love it. Right. 
Mr. Kemper, boo, hiss. This is the only good thing that you've done. Okay, so what happened? That's my question. Well, what I'm going to do today is fill in the gaps between Mr. Kemper's birthday when he was born and him becoming part of the Blind Project. Because what's in the middle is why he qualifies for our podcast. Okay, okay. Although, I don't think there's a lot of qualifications for our podcast. Question. Is he in jail now? And does he record these audiobooks while in jail? Why are you jumping to the end of the story? Is that? Okay, well, because he's a bad guy. I'm assuming he's in jail. He's a bad man. Okay. Since we're there, we'll just talk about the Blind Project so that we can um, give them their kudos before we all get in a bad mood. Sure. The Blind Project built a partnership with those who are incarcerated in the California Department of Corrections and Rehabilitation's California Medical Facility. The goal of this partnership is twofold. Being able to provide materials for the blind and visually impaired while also helping rehabilitate individuals in the prison, providing them an opportunity to learn Braille transcription and Braille repair, as well as a number of other skills. As noted on their website, the project is ongoing and provides hope for both those who are blind as well as those who are incarcerated. And Mr. Kemper happened to be incarcerated branch of this partnership. Right. You know what? I think I'm a little bit psychic or we have telepathy because yesterday, for some reason, I was thinking like... (laughs) I think I was reading something and one of the characters was talking about... What, what if they're blind? I don't know. And then I was like, man, I have all these books I have not read. Mm-hmm. And what, like, what would I do? I couldn't read them if I was blind. And then I was like, oh, my God. Then I'd have to learn Braille. But how long would that take in order for me to actually read a book? And then I was like, who in my family would read books to me that I would actually enjoy their voice long enough to finish the story? <laughs> not mine. Well, <laughs> anyway. But you can so, do audiobooks. Yeah. This is a fascinating project. And I'm glad it's a thing. I agree. I think that it's it's a really good project. Um, and like I said, we'll give them the shout out. And yeah. then we're going to just have so a, let's, a let's moment of appreciation. How... A moment of appreciation. Right. Silence, please. You're gold. You're drinking. <laughs> I was close. I was silent. Okay, we've had that moment. Now we're going to talk about this horrible man. Yeah, let's go back to the beginning and figure out how Mr. Kemper ended up in jail. Yeah. Okay, because let's go. That's, it's not, let me tell you, it's not a mystery. <laughs> oh. <laughs> it, is, it is to me. <laughs> so how did Mr. Kemper find his way into such a noble line of work? Well, it wasn't how you might think. Please buckle up, keep your hands and feet inside the vehicle at all times, and prepare for a wild ride. I- <laughs> Click! <laughs> no, you got it twisted. Unbuckle, fix it. Fix it. Oh, oh. <laughs> Click! Click! <laughs> Twist, 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 <laughs> I do want to give a disclaimer. This is one of the more graphic uh, tales. So um, if you are uncomfortable with uncomfortable things, I'm glad you're here and that you are here, but maybe not this one. Yeah. Okay. Mr. Kemper was born in Burbank, California on December the 18th, 1948. Burbank, California is about 2,371 miles, or 35 hours from us here in Wheeling, West Virginia. Driving? If we were driving. Yeah. Well, the miles would be the same, but the hours to travel would yeah. be 35. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, depends on how fast we were walking, or if we were on horseback, or dog sled. Google Maps <laughs> really should put in the time equivalent for 
horseback and or dog sleds. But then it goes, but then you have to think like, okay, is it like the Iditarod? We have to stop and let our dogs rest? Or are we going from, you know, West Virginia Or are we going like a Balto and you like got to get there when you get there? Yeah, or, or I'm saying like we get so far and then it's while our horse rests, that's great, but we get on another horse or we have another dog sled team. Anyway, we'll work. It's a relay. It's like a relay. Right. We'll work out the, we'll work it out. We'll contact Google. We'll get a hold of them. So we'll fi- we'll figure out the details post script. Post there's there's a word for what I'm talking about. Post production. Um, okay. Post production. <laughs> like, I, <don't> <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, um, Mr. Kemper was very close with his father, who would be Edmund Kemper the second or junior, uh, and was the middle child of three, okay. sandwiched between two sisters. He had an older sister and a younger sister. Kemper was devastated when his parents, Edmund Jr. and Claire Nell, C-L-A-R-N-E-L-L, his mother, divorced in 1957, and his mother took the kids and moved to Helena, Montana. Okay. He's particularly upset because he was really, really close with his dad. Yeah. And then he had to move with his mom. Away. Right. Okay. Right. Presumably not to see his dad that often, if at all. He didn't see him at all. Yeah. Uh, he clearly began displaying some troubling tendencies from this very young age. Mm. He would often set fires, decapitate, and do strange sexual acts with his sister's dolls, and oh. kill cats. Yep, okay, so he's going to be a serial killer is what I'm getting out of these facts. His mother once found a cat that he had stabbed repeatedly. Yeah. Another, yeah. he yeah. buried alive, uncovered, decapitated, and then went all Vlad the Impaler and stuck its head on a pole. Um... This is terrifying. Yeah, that's why I gave a disclaimer okay. at the beginning. Right, right, right. If you thought I was kidding, I'm not. Yep, no, I'm getting it now. I'm getting that now. He would often fantasize about being sentenced to die in the electric chair and often play the game with his sisters where he would act out such a scene as him in the electric chair and he'd like shake around. Wait, really? Yes. He'd be like, haha, let's play electric chair? Yeah. You'd be the person who pulls the lever? Yeah. Oh my god. At one time, he stated that if he wanted to kiss the teacher he had a crush on, he would have to kill her first. (sighs) After this acting out continued, his mother made him sleep in the locked basement out of fear he would harm or molest his sisters. It is also reported, though, that his mother, Clarnell, suffered from borderline personality disorder, which led to rages and abuse directed mostly at young Edmund III. Is that, like... That is true. Okay, I was like, I know that sounds stupid... But is it, I was wondering if it's from his, like, what he said. Yeah, I mean, I think she was diagnosed with a personality disorder. I don't know if this specific one is accurate. Right. But um, it seems to be a common thread that she um, abused him and yelled at him and screamed at him. And that's very, like, consistent. Sure. When Edmund turned 13, he ran away from his mother's home. He made it 1,172 miles or 16.5 hours from Helena, Montana, back to his father in California, before realizing his dad had remarried and was spoiling his new stepson. Oh, no. His father then shipped him back to Montana shortly after he arrived. The next year, Kemper was sent to live with his paternal grandparents, so his dad's parents, in North Fork, California. So this is Edmund Sr., yeah. Is who he, his grandpa. Yeah. And his wife, Maud, lived about 17 hours from... Helena, Montana. Where his mom and sisters, sisters are. Lived. Yeah. Right. 
Right. When he turned 13, he ran away, went yeah. to see his dad, who would be Mr. Kemper Jr. And his dad was like, no, 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 I got a new life. Go back to your mom. Yeah, go and get. Which is terrible. <gasps> Could you imagine, like, you're like, I hate living with my mom so much. I'm going to go to my dad. And the dad's like, oh, I hear what you're saying, but you need to leave. Right, exactly. So. <laughs> and then um, the mom was probably like, I can't deal with this anymore. Go live with your grandparents. Right, exactly. Okay. So by this time, he's 14. Okay. Right. Living with his grandparents. Living with his grandparents. And by the time he was 14, Kemper was six foot four inches tall already. What? Yes. Massive, massive man. Why are you looking like that? Well, I'm trying to picture a 14 year old that tall. He was a big boy. I don't know if we knew anyone growing up that would have been that tall. I did. At that I age. didn't. I wasn't friends with them, but I know somebody. They had a. Like giantism, but that's not. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Pretty much. So, even though he was this tall, he was bullied by his classmates and fought often with his grandmother, Maud. <gasps> I know who this guy is. He's in a new Netflix show. Yes, he is. I got it. I figured it out. <laughs> okay, continue. He was getting bullied, but he was very, very smart. Yeah. So, he did well in school. He was just Didn't getting bullied like it. and fought yeah. with his grandma. Sure. He was still extremely troubled, obviously. Well, yeah. But I don't think a move to live with your grandparents is going to fix that. No. He needs psychiatric help. In the 1950s, I doubt that they knew very... Yeah. Or 1950s, early 1960s. I don't know that it was that... Prevalent. Yeah, to get help for, yeah. for people. Yeah. So, he often fought with his grandmother, Maud. Uh, this was just a common thing. On August 27th, 1964, Kemper shot and killed his grandmother with a hunting rifle he had gotten as a Christmas present the year before. <gasps> Hold on. I'm sorry. <laughs> Swerve on him. Okay, well, one of the problems is who got him the hunting. Okay, let's just move past that because I don't. Okay. When his grandfather returned home, he fatally shot him as well to, quote, spare him the sight of his dead wife. It is unclear whether Kemper had argued with his grandmother prior to her murder. Some believe he shot her just to see how it felt. Okay. Because I think there are interviews with him where he says that's why he did it. Right, right, right. Okay. But he probably did fight with her, too, because he was always fighting. Yeah. Yeah, if it's a constant state, then it doesn't really matter. Mm -hmm. After the killings, Kemper made two phone calls. He first called his mother to inform her of what had happened, and then at her urging, he called the police to report what he had done. Then he sat down on the front porch to await the police to come arrest him. Okay. After being arrested, he was diagnosed with paranoid schizophrenia and placed in a mental care at the Adesandro State Hospital for the Criminally Insane. That's A-T-A-S-C-A-D-E-R-O. I probably said that completely wrong. Um, but this was in California. He got along very, very well with his psychiatrist there and mm. was so smart that they made him the um, assistant to the psychiatrist. You, okay. You can't, Okay. It's like the, isn't that kind of, okay, you know what, isn't Joker and Harley, wasn't Harley Quinn like the Joker is psychiatrist and then he essentially manipulated her and now then they became like lovers and best friends. Anyway, I don't think that's going to happen. You can't have somebody that comes into the hospital become the assistant because they're, okay, anyway. I don't know because in the prison system, if you're teaching classes, you have inmates that are really tutors smart. are tutors. different that is different well i don't know if it was like it's like a i don't know i don't know that's just what it says because it sounds like he's manipulating the system 
he was very very smart and probably earned the position but yes there was manipulation with the with the system as well okay continue so on december the 18th 1969 which would have been kemper's 21st birthday he convinced the psychiatrist to release him against the wishes of several psychologists in the institution and he was placed back in the care of his mother, who now lived in Santa Cruz, California. I'm sorry. Let's <laughs> rewind. What did I just say? I'm trying to make it so you don't spoil everything. <laughs> oh, God. I'm, I'm too smart. Let me be your assistant. Hair, hair flip. <laughs> hair flip. I knew it. I knew it. Kemper would later state in interviews that being placed in the care of his mother went against every psychologist and psychiatrist recommendation he had ever received. Yeah. And he had been told to stay away from her, yet he was placed in her care legally. Well, okay, a couple things that go with that. One, if she really was abusing him, you can't just put him back with her, like, to be on Mm -hmm. his side. And secondly, I don't... He's 21, right? Like, would he have to... I guess if he's mentally... Yeah, it's ill. Like, they'd mm-hmm. have to be under the care of a guardian, but still, I don't think you could. Anyway, it just seems like a bad idea. Oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> all and the way he, around. He says in interviews later, like I should have never been released, my yeah. mother. Right now, 1969 in December is when he's released. By this time and going into 1970, Santa Cruz had already earned the nickname the murder capital of the world, and rightfully so. The murders committed by serial killer Herbert Mullen and mass murderer John Lindley Frazier had happened around this time. The Zodiac Killer was active in the state a few years prior. Another cluster of murders suspected of being a serial case known as the Astrological Murders were committed around this time. The Manson family was in the 70s. Richard Ramirez, who was the Night Stalker. Mm. Uh, I'm skimming now because there's a big old list. Yeah. But all of these people were active in in and around Santa Cruz. Right, right. So Kemper was in what I would say was the right place at the right time. Wait, was he back in Montana with his mom? No, that's what I said. He was released to her in Santa Cruz, California. Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. I missed that. So he was just, he was there when all of this was happening, pretty much. He was, yes. Like, somewhere a little bit before, but during this time, he... Oh, well, he would have still been in the area in the insane asi- or mental institution. Yeah, he was in the state, but I don't yeah. know where, where well, that... Well, still, though. Oh, yeah. Yeah. If you're in the state, you still hear about all this stuff. Mm-hmm. So after moving in with his mother, he took a number of odd jobs before being hired on at the state of California's Department of Public Works as a laborer. He befriended some police officers and planned to become one himself before he had his goals shredded by a minor detail. And it's not that he had already committed two murders. (laughs) Yeah, you would think, right? You would think that it was that, but apparently... It was because he, as a fr- full-grown adult, measured six foot nine and weighed three hundred pounds, and he was over regulation height. That's what. It Wait, was. That's what? what he did couldn't it. fit in the cruiser. Is that what they're saying? I don't know. I didn't think this was like Dallas Cowboys cheerleaders, where you can only be so tall. But apparently, he was six nine. This guy was six nine. Yes, he was a very tall boy. Doesn't fit in the uniform. Yes, Dallas Cowboys cheerleaders. He can do the routine perfectly. He's got all the dance moves down. He shows up to practice on time every time, but he doesn't fit in the uniform. You never watched it. You can't take I my. You can't take my anger. That's that's what I say all the time. You can't copy me, girl. If you don't even remember, she had orange hair. I don't remember her name. She's beautiful, and they're like, "Well, you've been a veteran. You've been here seventeen years, but guess what? Your boobs are a little too big for the uniform now. So can't, can't get you a new one." 
You lose weight or you're gone. It was terrible. I think I cried. I'm really sorry that you <laughs> went through that emotional turmoil. That's pissed. <laughs> Here's what I'm concerned about. If he is trying to get a job with the police, right? And I kind of know, I'm vaguely remembering some details about him, but I don't remember a lot. And I don't remember this. I have a feeling that if he's trying to um, get into law enforcement, that he's going to have some friends in law enforcement, and it's going to be a little bit of a patient psychiatrist manipulation, and now it's going to be like a friend of a cop cop manipulation. Um, nod your head yes if I'm warm. Uh, no, not necessarily. I mean, he was friends with them, but... If you're friends with cops, though, the cops are probably gonna not look at you as closely as some others. That might be the case. I, I didn't In find my specific specific details. Thank you. Yep. Mm-hmm. 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 I didn't find any specific details about that. But or, well, possible. he also will know the system too a little bit. I feel like, they'll, and that is true. That does play a role. Like he'll let they'll let him in on what 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 clues they got. Or things like that, because he, he's the guy they go out for a beer with at the end of the night. Um, I don't know if he ever talked to them about the cases that we're going to discuss, mm-hmm. but he was really into watching crime shows and oh, watching how they solve the case, and he will mm. say in interviews that he studied those to see how to not get caught. <gasps> Interesting. So I think part of it was his friends in the police force, but a lot of it was he was so smart he was studying all these crimes. He watched every episode of CSI Miami. And all the other CSI shows. (laughs) Because there's like a bajillion. (laughs) So besides being such a large individual, Kemper was extremely bright, like we said. Mm -hmm. As an adult, his IQ score was 136. Some places say 145. Um, what's, I don't know what the I'm highest, about, okay. Yeah, yeah no, like, don't worry, because I, I didn't either, so I looked up. Mine must be like 92. <laughs> so intelligence quotient, or IQ, is a measure of a person's intellectual potential. Most adults have an IQ between 85 and 115. Oh, so 92, the average. That would be close. Only a small fraction of people have a very low IQ below 70, or a very high IQ above 130. So he was considered above really, average. Really high. Yeah. What's the highest you can get? I don't know. Yeah. The average IQ in the United States is 98. The top 10 countries by average IQ are as follows. Number one is Hong Kong with an average of 108. This, okay, let's back up. What? This site says the top 10 countries, and then the first one listed is Hong, Hong Kong. Kong. Right, so. The second one is Singapore. Maybe it didn't mean countries. Maybe they didn't mean that, but I copied and pasted. <laughs> so we'll places. Say, we'll say places. Places. Singapore is also 108. South Korea as a whole is 106. China 105. Japan as a whole 105. Taiwan 105. Iceland 101. Macau M A C A U 101. Switzerland 101. Austria, the Netherlands, Norway. Liechtenstein, Liechtenstein, and Luxembourg, Luxembourg are all 100. Luxembourg? I was Luxembourg? I took German. Luxembourg. Is it Liechtenstein? I have no idea. Why can I say that but not specific? <laughs> <laughs> okay, mm. so he was... Quite literally a up genius. there, yeah. Literally okay. a genius. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. However, he really wasn't very good with money, 
and he lived with his mom for Who a is? while. <laughs> Nobody. As as for money, there is no there money. Is no money. <laughs> so he was living with his mother as an adult, and she always yelled at him, so he was very frustrated. Mm-hmm. But he was finally able to move out on his own after he received $15,000 in a settlement after a motorcycle accident. Oh, my God. Yeah, I know. Okay. Right? Sure. But... I can't find details about the motorbike accident. It's just like, yeah, I got 15K. Well, maybe it was like, oh, you hit my leg. And then he manipulated the system. No, I'm just kidding. My neck kind of (laughs) hurt. I have to be in this neck brace for years. (laughs) Uh, So he used the money to pay for an apartment and also bought a yellow Ford Galaxy. Is that a car? I think. Okay. Well, he was on a motorcycle, and I'm assuming if it, there was a crash, then he didn't have any form of transportation, so I'm right. going to assume that it's a car. So anyway, he used this money to buy a new car and to get his own apartment, and he developed this new hobby of driving his car up and down the Pacific Coast area. So driving okay. up and down the sure. road Sure, 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 sure. You see the beach. Yeah, people like driving in their cars. Mm-hmm. Tops down. Tops off. Tops off. Tops off, tops down. <laughs> tops off, tops down. That's what I always say. Gotta have the top down. Doesn't fit in the car otherwise. Stop. What? He was a tall boy. He said, poked by the sunroof. <laughs> I don't think it had a sunroof. I think it just had like a... I don't know. I don't, you looked at it, not me. I did. Hang on. Let me look again. <laughs> yes, I think it is a convertible. Okay, it has sure. Like a, I think maybe. I love it. Love it. Okay, anyway. Anyway. Eventually, uh, he wasn't able to keep the apartment and had to move back in with his mother, Ugh. who had by this time been divorced a total of three times. Oof. For his long drives that he continued to take, you know how whenever we're going to go to a long road trip, what types of things do we, like, do before we go? What do you, like, make sure is in your car? What do you, are we just driving or we're going for a trip? We're going on a long drive. Long, long drive. Snacks. Snacks? Okay, what else? Um... Like, are we packing? You mean packing or what we take in our car in case of an emergency? Yeah, 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 yeah. emergency. Like jumper cables, flashlight, blanket. Mm-hmm. If it's going to be cold, then you extra clothes, mm-hmm. gloves, hat, whatever. Mm-hmm. Knives, um, plastic no. bags, Wait. handcuffs. Hold on. <laughs> you know, got to be prepared. <laughs> For what? I don't know, but that's what he made sure. He made sure he was getting all this stuff just in case. <laughs> Just in case Mr. Kemper put in his car some knives and some plastic bags. Plastic and bag? Okay, wait, wait, wait. Because and if blankets, you're cold, you can pull, punch a hole in the plastic bag, put it over yourself. People do that to work out and lose weight. They sweat a lot in it. Mm-hmm. Like a sauna. Also, plastic bags could be like if your car gets stuck in the snow, you can put it underneath the tire to get some traction. You could do that with the, the handcuffs. Like how they you put. You do that with the <laughs> You put it under your tire so it you, keeps your tire from rolling. I don't know. Rope just in case you need to <laughs> tie somebody up. I don't know. Exa- hey. <laughs> hey, now you're picking up what I'm putting down. No. No. Now you got it. <sighs> so, after being very prepared on Mr. Kemper's long cruises <laughs> up and down the coast. Bags, handcuffs, you know. He would pick up hitchhikers. This no. became his new habit. Although, at first, it was just to give them a ride. Sure. So, Mr. Kemper, he always picked up the same type of hitchhiker. A small, built female. And he would stop and ask if they needed a ride. And then, sometimes, he would check his watch as if he was in a hurry to try and get them to think he wasn't interested in them. He just was like... 
being nice and giving them a ride. And he also bought a pair of very thick glasses that made him look more trusting. I think because he looked like more nerdy. It was just... He's 6'9". He can't see anyway. Might as well. <laughs> he looks like he can drive. <laughs> what? Oh my god. But You know, I just want to say, we've talked about this before, forensics class. You took it in high school. Mm-hmm. I took it in high school. We had to buy the book. Mm-hmm. And every week we would read a story and then we'd have a quiz on it. And most of the time it was like... Uh, usually a murder, right? And then we discuss the crime in detail. Mm-hmm. Every single one of those stories started out with someone hitchhiking. Well, we've talked about it before with the co-ed murders <gasps> around WVU. It was... It was a thing. and That's it, how people uh, got around. Yeah. Until the 1960s, 1970s when so many people were being killed. Right. They were, that they that's were like, when stranger danger came into play. This isn't really safe. We'll just walk. Yeah. It's not yeah. safe. Or you agree to hitchhike if you can ride in the bed of the truck, because then you can just jump out. Yes. Yeah. So for a year, Mr. Kemper would pick up these girls and deliver them safely to their destinations. Sure. He would then go home and fantasize about capturing them instead. He, he was a five-star Uber until you got to that point. <laughs> he was a five-star Uber? You just didn't see the post-production tapes. <laughs> You didn't see behind the scenes. Where he wanted to kidnap and murder them. And when he was, like, rigging his passenger door so that they couldn't open it if they wanted to. You know, details. Before you get in, always test the locks. Open the door, open the passenger side door, hit the lock. If it goes all the way down, you can't pull that baby back up, don't get in. Yeah. No, I know. I don't. Don't don't hitchhike in general, but. Don't. Hey. (laughs) Please don't hitchhike. Please don't. Please but always test the doors even if it's someone you know test the locks test the locks test the doors <laughs> then test the lock i need to do a car inspection before i get in does your hog work okay did your does your hog your hogwarts did your hogwarts did your horn work honk it for me okay now i'm gonna get out flash, i'm gonna see my flash the lights left blinker all right you're good right blinker all right brake lights okay now pop it now pop the trunk oh there's handcuffs in there no i'm gonna have to pass always check the trunk before getting in the car always check the trunk before getting pushed into the trunk always check the trunk but check behind you before you check the trunk Anyway, he did this for about a year. Right, and during this time, he made preparations, but he always delivered people safely. He would later say, uh, when I saw a pretty girl walking down the street, I would think two things. One part of me wants to take her out, talk to her, be real nice and sweet, and treat her right. The other part wonders what her head would look like on a stick. Oh, God, I like that cat. So I'm sure you can probably guess where all of this leads. Yeah. Edmund Kemper III went on a killing spree of murders between 1972 in May and February of 1973. He would pick up female hitchhikers, most of whom were students in the area, take them to rural, isolated areas, and kill them via stabbing, shooting, or smothering them. Afterwards, he would take their bodies back to his apartment, perform sexual acts, and dissect them. Whoa, 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 Oh, yes. The bodies would then be dumped into ravines or buried in fields. He would often keep the heads for a few more days and talk to them, sleep with them in bed, and sometimes perform sexual acts. Necrophilia? Necrophilia. So, we're going to talk about a couple of the cases specifically. Um, 
well, all of the cases of which he is accused, but what he has said in interviews of, of how things happened. Okay. So, um, Edmund Kemper would be arrested later on and, um, gave very, very detailed descriptions of what he did. Because well, he liked it. Because he found it very interesting yeah. to analyze himself psychologically. Well, that's what he did the TV shows mm-hmm. and probably other serial killers and other criminals. So I'm sure he was like, well, I'm caught. I can't really get out of this one. So let's discuss. Yeah. But but in his confession, he gave a very detailed description of all of this. Yeah. So that's where I'm getting this. I'm sorry. Again, graphic. Please skip ahead if you're uncomfortable. I'm uncomfortable, but I can't skip ahead. <laughs> so um, Mary Ann... Pesce, P-E-S-C-E, and Anita Lush, L-U-C-H-E-S-E, were captured on May the 5th, 1972. They were two Fresno State College students hitchhiking to Stanford University. They had spent some time in Berkeley and then were going back to Stanford. Uh, I I was a little confused because I don't know the layout of the colleges. Partying. But they were, yeah, I believe so. Probably went down for a huge party, huge block party. When they didn't reach Stanford, their families filed missing persons reports. Unfortunately, at the time, runaways were very, very common in the area, and so the police didn't put much thought into the investigation. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Kimber would later tell of handcuffing the girls, leaving Anita in the trunk while he attempted to strangle Marianne in the back seat. She bit a hole through the cloth he was trying to use to strangle her, and he got frustrated, so he took out a knife and stabbed her repeatedly. Put up a good fight. Yeah, she did. Eat that cloth. Um, when he took Anita out of the trunk, he started stabbing her, and she screamed, so he slashed her throat uh, until she, like, died. Blood out, yeah. He then drove around for a while, deciding what to do with the bodies. He ended up back at his house, where he brought Mary Ann's corpse into the apartment, undressed and dissected her. He beheaded Anita as well and then buried the bodies, but he kept the heads for a while before throwing them into a ravine. A ravine. Okay. There seems to be a Where'd lot be- of... Oh, you said he just did picked fields or whatever. Yeah. Okay. He seems to have... There seems to be a lot of ravines in California. <laughs> well, if he's driving up and down the coast, too, I'm sure he's seen a couple spots where he's like, oh, hey, I'll just right. go back over there. Nobody will yeah. ever find him. His next victim was... Aika Koo, A-I-K-A, last name Koo, K-O-O. She was a 15-year-old girl of Korean descent who was on her way to dance class on September the 14th, 1972. No. She got tired of waiting for the bus and decided to hitchhike. No! Once inside Kemper's car, she caught on to the situation and panicked. He told her, please calm down. Uh, I plan on killing myself with a gun. I just don't want to be alone. So if you cooperate, I won't hurt you. No, don't cooperate. I know. Pull that emergency brake. Pull that e-brake. Gouge his eyes out. Spit on him. Spit on him. He then drove into the mountains and parked off the main road out of sight. He tried to suffocate Aiko with tape over her mouth and his fingers over her nostrils. So I guess he like... Plugged her nose. Plugged her nose and taped her mouth. And once she stopped struggling, he removed his hand, but she was just unconscious, so she woke up, and he started to strangle her again with her own scarf, and mm-hmm. then did that until she stopped moving. He then raped her body and put it in the trunk, drove to a local bar, and had some drinks. Of course, because why not? Why not? Kimper then drove back to his mother's house, because he was staying with her now, and opened, would go back out to the trunk periodically and gaze at his accomplishment we just like look at the body 
Like, I don't... Yeah, she was inside, but, like, he would just go out to the car and, like, look at the trunk. She didn't think that was weird. I don't think she liked him or cared what he did. Yeah, that's true. Later that night, he brought the body inside and placed it on his bed. He then dissected her the same way he had Marianne. Then he disposed of her head and hands separate from her body. Even if you don't like or care about your child, she missed this whole... So she's also a piece of garbage. I mean, yeah. she was oh, from yeah, the beginning, absolutely. but even more so now. Right. Okay. Keep okay. Edmund was never suspected of any of these crimes because of the aesthetic he gave off. He always appeared very trustworthy, and that was like the aesthetic he built purposefully after studying people. And he was all chummy with the cops. And he was chummy with them. On January the 8th, 1973, he bought a twenty-two caliber automatic pistol, which was illegal due to his prior conviction of murdering his grandparents. Where'd he get it from? He had no trouble making the purchase, but then became very paranoid that his police friends would catch on to that he had an illegal firearm. <laughs> Firearm, so he decided this meant he should step up his killing spree. Oh my god. Where did he buy it from? I don't know. Walmart? <laughs> Maybe. They're like, yeah, you look pretty trustworthy. Here's a gun. Here you go. Oh my god. That very night, Edmund picked up Cindy Shaw, C-I-N-D-Y-S-C-H-A-L-L, and drove her into the hills near Watsonville, California. He forced her into the trunk and shot her with his new gun. He took the body back to his mother's house and brought the corpse inside once his mother left for work the next morning. Then he had sex with the corpse and dissected her in the bathtub. He carefully removed the bullet he had lodged in her skull and buried her head in his mother's backyard. He would later joke about burying her head there and said uh, she always wanted people to look up to her. His mom. Always wanted people to look up to her. So he... um, thought that that was funny it's not funny it's not but he thought it was so he then put her other body parts in plastic bags and threw them off of a cliff this was the first time that kemper even heard reports of one of his victims on the radio because what he would do is he'd sit and listen to see if anything right or watch news i'm sure he was watching like missing persons whatever shows yeah and i think the other the first three victims were considered the first three besides his grandparents, I think, were considered runaways. Right, which is bullshit. I agree. But he wasn't worried about hearing about it on the radio because he had been extremely careful in his own opinion. Yeah. On February 5th, 1973, Clarnell, his mom, and Kemper had a huge fight. He stormed out of the apartment and began hunting for a victim. He picked up Rosalind Thorpe, R-O-S-A-L-I-N-D, Thorpe, T-H-O-R-P-E, after engaging her in conversation. And then he stopped a short time later to pick up Alice Lou, A-L-I-C-E, Lou, L-U-I. Alice didn't hesitate to get in the car because there was another female already inside, so she thought it seemed trustworthy. Mm -hmm. And also there was a UC Santa Cruz parking sticker, which belonged to Kimber's mom, but it was like prominently displayed in the window and so she was like oh only get in the car if you got a taser in hand don't get in the car at all don't get in the car they rode for a while before kemper mentioned how lovely the view looked out the passenger window as rosalind turned to look at the Mm. view he drew his pistol and shot her in the head then he turned and shot alice in the back seat several times alice did not die immediately so he shot her again at point blank range once they were out of town he then transferred the bodies into the trunk stopped for gas, and went back to his mother's house. He left quickly after arriving, claiming to need to go out for cigarettes. Instead, he pulled around the block, opened the trunk, and beheaded the bodies of both victims. 
How did no one see any of this? He's just shooting people while he's driving in his car. He's a big boy. Right. And then he just pulls around the block to decay. No one saw anything. Apparently not. Oh, my God. The next morning when Claire now left for work, he brought the bodies inside, raped Alice's corpse, removed the bullet carefully from Rosalind's skull to go with the one he had from Cindy, Mm -hmm. and drove away from the city to dispose of the body parts separately. Clarnell never seemed to have any suspicion of her son's violent crimes. Therefore, she probably didn't expect that she would be his next victim. At 5.15 a.m. on April the 21st, 1973, he moved into his mother's room, struck her with a hammer, slashed her throat, and beheaded her in under a minute. Oh, my God. That's what he says. He also removed her vocal cords and tried to put them down the garbage disposal. The disposal spat the pieces back out, and Kemper later commented this was unsurprising, and it seemed like the appropriate thing to do as she bitched and moaned and screamed at him over so many years. This one, listen, all the murders have made me sad. This one didn't make me as No. Uh, there was also um, one section that said that he used her head as a dartboard for a while mm, as well. Interesting. He then put her body in the closet, cleaned up a bit, and left the house. As he drove around, he thought, maybe if I have another body with my mom's, it'll draw suspicion away from me. Why? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. That's what he thought. I don't know why. If I put two corpses together in my closet, it's fine. Oh, man. My mom decapitated herself. That makes zero sense. Rule of twos. You've never heard of the rule of twos? Two bodies in a closet and no suspicion? (sighs) I haven't heard that rule, actually. No, I just made it up. Congrats, you're the first to know. Oh, my God. If I have another body, they'll just suspect my mom cut her own head off. What? Listen. I know. So, he decided another body's what was needed. So, he called his mother's best friend, Sally Hallett, and invited her to a, quote, surprise dinner for mom. When she arrived at the house, he strangled her with Iko's scarf, his previous yeah. victim, mm-hmm. and placed her body uh, on the bed, removed her clothes, and at some point attempted to rape her. I seemed, the word attempted was there, but I don't know if he actually did. Mm, okay. The next morning was Easter Sunday. He left town driving east in Sally's car. Fearing he'd be tracked down too easily, he stopped at a gas station oh. and told the attendant it needed repairs. Then he rented another car and continued driving east for 18 hours, stopping only for gas and soda pop. Okay, I'm a little lost as to what the plan is. Get away. Okay, but like, why would you, I feel like switching cars at a repair shop is more suspicious because then they clearly saw who was driving the car. I don't know. Okay, continue. I wish I could tell you why. But I did not know. I mean, clearly he's not been in the right state of mind since he was young, so nobody will ever know, probably. Now, in Colorado, once he entered Colorado, he was stopped for speeding, but he politely paid the fine and was allowed to keep driving. Finally, he was exhausted from travel and stopped in Pueblo, Colorado, and he hadn't heard anything on the radio, so he got kind of frustrated and was also very paranoid and so he decided to call his police friends back in santa cruz yeah well because at this point he's probably like i've done so much and nobody's caught on how stupid are they yeah also like i've done so much like i don't understand yeah so by this time he's 20 hours away and over 1400 miles and he's calling back to santa cruz 
Okay. During this call, he confesses to eight murders. Okay. At first, the people at the Santa Cruz police station thought it was a joke. Uh, see, of course they did because they're friends. Oh, my God. Okay. Don't worry. This is all a joke, buddy. They're all runaways. What? I'm mad. Anyway. Anyway. But it seems like that this part was a little... It was written a couple different ways in my resources, but it sounds like they... He hung up the phone with them. They called around to check these missing persons cases, confirming who his victims were. And then, I guess somebody checked the house, his mom's Yeah, house. like, did they find the bodies in the closet or what? Well, he ends up, there's several phone calls. Yeah. And then at some point, he calls them back. Because he's at, like, a payphone. Right. And he's like, are you going to come get me? This is where I'm at. Yeah. I will wait. I'm going to sit here and wait for you. Are you coming or not? I yeah. wasn't kidding. And so, he waited for them to come arrest them in Pueblo, Colorado. He just was like, okay, cool. Did they drive all the way there? Did they have the Pueblo Police Department arrest <laughs> They're like, stay there. We'll be there in 20 hours. <laughs> I mean, I don't know, but that's what it sounded like. <laughs> no, I'm sure That they doesn't had... make sense. No, they I'm sure have... they had the Pueblo Police Department go arrest <laughs> I was just Pueblo. picturing them just like, he was like, okay, we'll be there. Sit tight. No, there's no way, Whitney. <laughs> they probably detained him. Get the chopper. <laughs> they probably detained him. And, yeah. yeah. And then they picked him up. Yeah. Man, I like the other way better. Anyway... During the interrogation, he was unashamed to confess about the murders, cannibalism, and necrophilia. I don't cannibalism? Know, listen, I don't know. I missed that, but apparently he confessed to it, so okay. I'm not sure which part of that. Well, I guess I could have been like, oh, I tried to eat one of them's arm, and it tasted gross. That was the only time. But that still counts No, I think he ate pieces of Oh, difference. okay. I don't know. I didn't, I don't know. This was gross enough, okay? Yeah, so no, I got it. So he would go on to say, quote, if I killed them, you know, they couldn't reject me as a man, more or less making a doll out of a human being and carrying out my fantasies with a doll, a living doll, you know? What did she say? <laughs> what did she say? What the fuck is wrong with this guy? Now, his public defender for trial, his name is James Jackson, and he was like, you literally explained to them in extreme detail absolutely everything. What do you want me to do? And he's like, well, I'm insane, though. So we're going to plead insanity. And he was like. <laughs> Could you imagine, like, being a public defender, I get it. Like, I feel like there's some good days where you're like, no, my person's innocent. I got this. Like, whatever. And then you, like, the biggest case of your life comes around and the guy's like, yeah, I've murdered 16 people. And you're like. What did you say? What did you say? <laughs> Yeah, so... You're like, oh, cool, 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 cool. So I'll try to get you two life sentences instead of three. Yeah, the insanity plea didn't work. Like, no, at all. absolutely not. And he was convicted on eight counts of murder. I don't I think, think... first degree. I think he's mentally unstable, but I don't mm-hmm. think necessarily he's insane because he planned everything. Yeah, and that's He planned why. everything for years. It was premeditated. Yeah, and I think the that's whole what thing was. Mm-hmm. If it's premeditated, then usually you can't say... If it's premeditated, you have enough time to be like, I need help. Mm-hmm. And go get help. Mm-hmm. Rather than, well, I'm just going to murder. So his next strategy, plan B. Yeah. Insanity plea did not work. Plan B is, well, I've always wanted to have the electrical chair. Okay. That's like what, that's like his dream. Right. Instead I of house, it, he played electrical chair. I want the electrical chair pretty pity please and they said well we've temporarily suspended capital punishment in the state so no no sorry no okay okay he was very disappointed so plan c yeah plan c was life in prison okay 
Now, he did lead police to where Marianne's body was buried, but Anita's head and body were never recovered, and I don't know about the remains of the others. Well, he threw some of them into the river, so... Yeah. So, Mm -hmm. I don't know how many bits and pieces they were able to collect. Right. Uh, He was always eager to talk about his crimes while in prison. He's done interviews with a bunch of people. He was actually um, part of the first, like, 36 people to be interviewed by the FBI to build profiles on serial killers. That's what the show's about. That's what the Netflix show's Mm -hmm. about. It's them interviewing him to form, like... The behavioral analysis unit, which Mm -hmm. is what, like, Criminal Minds is all based on. Yep, yep, yep. And I think Mindhunter is how... Mindhunters, they interview him because they're trying to solve other crimes. And so Mm -hmm. they go interview him and he tells them all of this stuff. Right. Because they're trying to Mm -hmm. get inside his mind. Yeah, and a lot of that's true. He was really proud to be one of the first Mm -hmm. people. And any of his interviews... Oh, it's it's attention-seeking. Yeah. He wasn't getting the attention for murder... Oh, you want my you want me to talk about my murders? Absolutely, I mm-hmm. will. Like, that's what it is. Yeah. He was also interviewed three times by Robert Ressler, R E S S L E R, who is an FBI agent and author who coined the term serial killer. I think oh. he was one of the original people who did maybe behavioral analysis. Okay, unit. sure, sure, sure. But during his third interview, he asked. He was like, "Hey guards, hey guards, hey guards," and nobody was coming. And so, um, Kempler started going, oh man, I get to kill you now. Oh no! Like, look at this, they just left you in here. Um, and then the guard showed up and he's like, oh, I was just messing with you. But, I was like shocked to read this because there is an episode of Criminal Minds where they are interviewing a suspect and it might be based on Kempler because he is in several episodes Mm or they talk about him. But there's an episode of Criminal Minds where a very similar thing happens and he's like, well, they'll never actually execute me once I kill FBI agents. They'll leave me alive so that they can do a trial for it. Oh, God. And he, like, goes to, like, kill. try and kill them. Yeah. And the guards show up while they talk themselves out could of it. Could you but, imagine? Like, I don't understand how you could leave. I mean, this guy's not. He's six foot nine. No, no, no. Well, not, not him. The guy who is interviewing him. Oh. Like, was he part of the police? Like, you can't leave. He's an FBI agent. But okay, like, yeah, but you still can't leave him in the room by himself. Wouldn't there be a guard, like, in the room with you? I know, they didn't show up. Oh, my God. Those guards better have gotten fired. I don't know. Probably. Or desk duty. <laughs> Probably. I'd have been pissed. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I'd be, I'd be like, <laughs> I think that was the last time he interviewed with him. No doubt. Like, Peace. We'll do phone interviews from now on. <laughs> Adios. <laughs> Um, so you can watch countless videos on YouTube of interviews with Edmund Kemper III. He always goes into detail about what happened. Mm-hmm. He almost always talk about how he's clearly a psychopath and, mm-hmm. like, very self-aware. It's weird. It's very weird, but he's very self-aware. Yeah. He's clearly smart enough to give this insight into his own troubles, and at times he's like, yeah, it's probably best that I'm locked up forever. No, shit. <laughs> so he is portrayed in Criminal Minds and Mindhunter, like we said, and he's referenced in so many popular culture things that I didn't even list them. Yeah. There's books, there's TV shows, there's movies. He became known as the co-ed killer in California. Yeah. Because he targeted young females that were mostly students. Sure. When he called to turn himself in, he was also like, hey, I'm the co-ed killer, by the way. I killed all these people. And they're like, no, they're all runaways. They'll come back. And he's like, "Mm -hmm. like, I'm not going to run back. So I watched a couple of the interviews, which were very creepy, Mm -hmm. because he's very charismatic. I was like, oh, he looks like such a nice guy. They said the guy who 
played him on Mindhunter was like so similar to his interviews in real mm-hmm. life that it was like scary. It's weird. Yeah, I watched clips of that too. One of them that I watched, he was talking about young people that have reached out to him and said, I had a similar upbringing. I acted like that as a kid. I did those weird things. Yeah. And then a positive role model came into my life Mm -hmm. and showed me that's not the path to take. Yeah. And I was able to pull myself out of it. And Kemper says the difference between those kids and me is that all I had was my mom. Well, and he had his she was mom who was horrible to him. Person. And then you have to think, he went to his dad, who could have been a positive role model, mm-hmm. but his dad essentially didn't want him. Yeah. So that's a, abandonment issues. And then his grandma was probably mad because it was, because what, it was his dad's parents, mm-hmm. so she probably didn't want anything to do with him either. Mm-hmm. And so that's why he, you know what I mean? Like everybody, nobody really wanted him. Yeah, no, I know. So that was a 1991 interview. Yeah. 1992 interview that I watched, he speaks about trying to make his crimes look unrelated and random. Okay. He knew there was no real understanding of what we now call serial killers. Yeah. And he said, um, when asked about how many people he could have killed, he said that he had over a thousand individuals in his car during the three years mm-hmm. that he was planning and killing mm-hmm. people. Yeah. Um, and this was his hobby. And he could have done, killed any number of those. Yeah. Well, but he, he was very particular about who he wanted because it had to fit his fantasies. Right. His fantasies. Well, it also, he he never put the bodies in the same places. I don't think so. Like, is what it sounded like mm-hmm. from what you said. And, yeah, like you said, he was doing, he was picking people up for years before he did, before he committed any actual crimes. Mm-hmm. So, and nobody suspected him. Ever. Right. Nobody said anything. Right. And that's what he said. I was, in one interview, he's like, look at this. And he takes out, he's like, these are the glasses I wore. And he puts them on. I yeah. watched him. He puts them on. He goes, now would you get in a car to a guy who looks like this? No. And the and he says, yeah, that's what I thought. Like, I don't know. Yeah. He thought he just had it down. And well, he did. he did. And you have to think now, like, obviously I say no straight away. But I wouldn't get in a car with anybody that I didn't know. Like, yeah. anybody right and so back then it was just different like people hitchhiked like that's how it was mm-hmm. and it wasn't it wasn't weird for people to do that so he probably did look like one of the more normal people that you could get in a car with yeah yeah i and mean he, it's either him or like a truck driver and it's like well truck drivers i think get a bad rap anyway yeah. you know what i mean so and he, like, planned it. He had his look. Yeah. He had that sticker in his car that looked like... Yeah, he was a student or something. Yeah. So, he had it down. Uh, and in 1940... 19- he had 19- good chorizo. Re- good chorizo. What's your chorizo score? <laughs> in an interview in 1994, he talked about how he studied old police investigative shows to see how he could avoid detection, like we yeah. talked about before. Mm-hmm. He, mm-hmm. like, tried to be good at this. Yeah. Well, it was a game. Yeah. It's a game for him. Yeah. And then it wasn't fun anymore because he was just paranoid, but he didn't have the thrill of, oh, are they going to get me? Like, it's like, they're going to get me. Yeah. They're going to. I killed my mama. I yeah. I think it's going to happen. Yeah, that's when the game was up because he didn't, he was like, well, this one's the most suspicious one of all, probably. And so, his mom's best friend. Yeah, I don't understand the rationale for that. Um but anyway, Edmund Kemper III was denied parole in 2017, but will Thank be eligible God. again. He'll be eligible again for parole in 2024 at the ripe old age of 76. Mm, he should stay in prison. I think he thinks that too. 
In one of his latest interviews, he states that the state made him look even more trustworthy somehow because I think he's had time to look back and be like, okay, what can I do? Yeah. And, and he did all these interviews with people about serial killers. No, and so he's almost not, studied it more. Well, because he's, pro- he's also probably going to be like, oh, good behavior. I've helped you guys out so much. Oh, no, 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 no. He does not think he should be released. He says, there were times where I was sitting there with uh, someone's head in my lap about yeah. to just snap. And I'd be like, wow, I'm crazy. Oh, <laughs> like, God. yes, You're like, yep, yeah, you are. are. But what he's saying is, if you let me out now, I'd be even more dangerous. Because he knows look at what everything. I've learned yeah, 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 on top yeah, yeah. of what I was already mm-hmm. doing. Yeah, he's like, yeah, I've been interviewed by the FBI. You don't think I asked them questions? Yeah. 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 And then he studied other serial killers, mm-hmm, clearly. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So during his incarceration, like we said, he was part of the Blind Project for many years. So he was incarcerated in 1973. Yeah. And he worked odd jobs in the prison and was part of the Blind Project from the time it started into 2015. Okay. Where he stopped recording audiobooks because he had a stroke huh. that left him medically disabled. And I think he has stopped doing interviews for the most part. Probably. He probably stopped because he can't talk as well. Yeah, I don't know so he exactly. he probably stopped doing interviews because of his mm-hmm. image and or. Yeah, I think part of it's his image. Because I'm not exactly sure what all his, um, like, Because strokes can are. affect your speech, too. Yes. So Yeah, I mean, he could be paralyzed. He yeah. could have speech problems. He could have memory problems. Right. I mean... Let's not feel bad for the guy. No, but I'm saying he doesn't do a lot of stuff lately. Yeah. Yeah. After that yeah. incident. Not saying um, all goes around comes around, but maybe that is what I'm saying. I just can't imagine how much charisma he had to have. First of all, we do know how to say charisma. Don't Tre- come don't come at me. Dad. I said that trezo. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Tre- I said that. Trezo. I said it. Trezo. Charcuterie, exactly. (laughs) I can't imagine how much charcuterie it took for a six foot nine, 300 pound man to look trustworthy enough for these girls to get in his car. Ah, but you have to, I mean, again, hitchhiking is what you, how you got around back then. Right now, it doesn't matter if you're six nine, if you're five two, I ain't getting in a car with you if I don't know who you are. And that's just how it is right now. Like, people don't get, some people do. Most people, the majority of people aren't gonna get in a car with with people they don't know. Doesn't matter what they look like. You know what I mean? Like, it doesn't matter. But back then, if he was nice enough, I'm sure, and they needed a ride Mm -hmm. enough, I'm sure if it was cold out, they haven't seen a car in 30 minutes, mm-hmm. like, of course they're going to get in this car. Yeah. Like, that's just how it is. It reminds me of that comedian who, um... And he- a lot of them, there were two of them. Well, some of them, there was two people that got in the same car. So that, right. I could see why your defenses would be down. Don't get in the car. It doesn't matter who's in the car. Don't get in the car. Well, I mean, there were female... There were female accomplices to male serial killers throughout the years. Yeah. Get, I mean... Doesn't uh, matter. Don't get in the car. Suspect everyone. Yeah. Have a safe word. Have a safe word. Have a plan. <laughs> I'm not going to send anybody to pick you up without being like, he's a safe word. Is it? Like, no. no Who no, no. would come pick me? I'm not getting in a car with somebody I don't know. Even some of the people I do know, I'd well, be iffy yeah. about getting in a car with. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Think about the list of some people Some of you our know. friends, if they were mad enough, I would not get in the car with them. <laughs> and some of them, the way that they can hide whether or not they're mad. Oh, And boy, some honey. of them, the way they drive. <laughs> Sarah. I wasn't going to say. I wasn't going to say her name. You said it. Oh, man. 
Good times, good times. Anyway, um, what did you think of this story? Did you think that uh, it will keep you up at night, or do you think you'll still be able to sleep as snug as a bug in a rug? It... I think a little bit of both. Um, I've I've heard of it before, so it wasn't as much of a shock to me. Um, but this one's one of the ones where it, it, it makes me mad because the police, I feel like, didn't try mm-hmm. as hard as they could have. Right. Um, he was clearly smart enough to know what he was doing. Mm-hmm. So, like... Yeah, he's mentally unstable, but he also just decided to do that because he wanted to, mm-hmm. and that makes me mad. He and I feel like of- just because he's smart, he's gotten special treatment, which also makes me mad. Mm-hmm. I think, and it's lot- just terrible because the people, a lot of the people that he picked up were probably around our age. Makes me even more wary of strangers. Mm-hmm. This is why I don't leave the house. They're I mean, I don't leave us. the house because of COVID. But, oh, yeah, that one girl's 15. Most of them are younger than us. Yeah. Yeah. It's terrible. I think that he did a lot of the things he did because he thought it was interesting that he was crazy. He's like, oh, this is a weird urge that I probably shouldn't have. Let's do it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because he was like, oh, I'd be like, oh, man, I'm crazy. Let's kill again. And it's like, okay, yeah. well, come on. Oh, and I mean, it also makes me mad that nobody sit, suspect. I mean, I, his mom was apparently a piece of garbage, too. But, like, nobody saw or suspected anything. Like, that doesn't. Also, like, you didn't get into the police academy because you're too tall. Not because you have two prior murder convictions. Yeah, like, that's... That is troubling, and that's its own troubling thing. <laughs> that's its own thing. Anyway. I took several days to write this story because I kept getting creeped out and had to stop and put it down. So yeah, yeah. Um, it made me uncomfortable, but I saw a TikTok. Thanks, TikTok, for all of my inspiration all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, of a guy who was like, I talked about Edmund Kemper third in being six foot nine and i don't think you guys understand how tall that is so i found a friend who's six foot nine and he's gonna stand <laughs> and he stands and he's like just leaning in the door frame and I'm like, oh, okay no. that's funny i like that um, no this guy was a piece of trash he deserves to be in prison the rest of his life it like parole shouldn't be a thing for him ever i think i'm gonna look at audiobooks if i listen to him now make sure they're not voiced by him yeah not that i don't want to support the blind project but because i don't think i want his voice in my head yeah i like want to know what it sounds like though but this is one of the more gruesome ones we've talked about i feel like well it's up there we've talked about some but yeah it's just horrible I would like to end the episode with the answer to last week's question, which is a little brighter. The question oh. was, name three types of Pokeballs. Right. Uh, thank you, David, for answering. And mm-hmm. he said, Pokeball, Great Ball, Master Ball. You guys cracked me up. <laughs> thank and you. And to that I say, po- just Pokeball? Like, not regular? Like, <laughs> I know that what he's vanilla? saying is right. A vanilla ball. <laughs> vanilla Pokeball. Vanilla chocolate and strawberry. Neapolitan ball. <laughs> I think they could have gotten a little more creative. Nah, they're fine. Whitney, they've created all the Pokemon ever. You don't think you can cut them some slack for the names of Pokeballs? Yeah, I can. Pokeball, Great Ball, Master Ball, not like Good Ball, Great Ball, Excellent Star Ball. Star Striking Ball. Star Striking Ball. 
Anyway, thank you, David, for the correct correct answer, which is, again, (laughs) Pokeball, Great Ball, Master Ball. Yeah, absolutely. Would you like to give a question to carry into next week? Would I like to give a question to carry into next week? Oh, goodness. Oh, goodness. Anything in the Christmas spirit? Oh, oh, sure. Um, Why don't you guys let us know which... Grinch movie is the best. Get out of my face. Um, I know my answer. <laughs> so is, There's only one correct there answer. There <laughs> is the original Grinch cartoon. Mm-hmm. There's the new Grinch cartoon that came out last year. Mm-hmm. There is the Jim Carrey Grinch. There's also the uh, Matthew Morrison Grinch live musical edition that just came out this year and if you say that you're a sociopath <laughs> and we're not talking to you anymore. and i'm not going to tell you which one my favorite is but if you if you if you say this what is your favorite grinch movie if you say the same one that is my favorite i will send you a sticker mm-hmm. um you can submit <clears throat> you can submit your answers or look at any of our uh social medias for pictures or anything like that um you can Go to our website, bugandrug.podbean.com, to check out Whitney's resources. You can look at pictures on our Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook. Facebook's just Bug and a Rug. Instagram and Twitter are at BIAR Podcast. Our email is BIARpodcast at gmail.com. So let us know what your favorite Grinch movie is, and I'll let you know if you're right or wrong. And if you're wrong, we'll send you an anti-sticker. I don't know what that looks like yet, but you will figure it out. If you're wrong, I'll send you a sticker. If you're right, I'll send you a sticker and 20... No, five cents. <laughs> five cents. We need our quarters for we laundry. We need quarters. Get out of here. 25 cents, but not in quarters. <laughs> anyway, it's time to go. Signing off. I'm Caitlin. I'm Whitney. Bye. Sleep tight.